We acknowledge that the Prairie Outpost podcast is recorded in Winnipeg, which is located in Treaty 1 territory, the home and traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Ojibwe, Inu, Cree, and Dakota peoples, and in the national homeland of the Red River Métis. Our drinking water comes from Shoal Lake, 41st Nation, in Treaty 3 territory. Okay. Well, uh, this is a very uh, special uh, New Year's uh, podcast uh, for the Prairie Outpost. Thus far, we've had a few, uh, since relaunching, we've had a few iterations. We've tried me and a guest co-host, as well as the standard me and Willie formula. This episode, we're going to try something new. Me as a standalone. Will I drone on and on with my monologuing? Stay tuned to find out. Uh, So I'd like to start this uh, first episode of the new year talking about some of my hopes when it comes to two major issues facing Winnipeg. You can think of this as a New Year's address of sorts. The issues that I want to talk about are the interlinking ones of the health of downtown and housing. Now, the pandemic has been very rough for uh, the downtown. I know that there's been um, uh, some uh, some major closures of stores. Uh, I don't think everyone is fully back in the office, especially in uh, some public sector uh, employers. Uh, so that puts a bit of a strain on the downtown. And there's always been safety concerns, both the perception of them and the reality. And uh, people can uh, vary on what the mix is there. Uh, uh, but it's pr- pretty clear that downtown has been struggling uh, for a bit of a while now. Uh, uh, and we've had periods of investment and hope to get it to be more lively, like the downtown of some of the major cities of Canada. Uh, and I am not, uh, I, I'm not sure what, what exactly is needed. I, I know that we need more affordable housing downtown and elsewhere. We need various social supports, uh, so so I know that, but I'm not sure what the right combination of ingredients is to get a downtown that people would consider to be relatively uh, prosperous exactly is. And I know that uh, the city's tried a lot of things to varying degrees of commitment over the last few decades. Uh, I guess there's one thing uh, uh, that uh, I, I would like to say uh, in terms of uh, the downtown. I, I've heard sort of a, a counter-narrative uh, among some urbanists that one of the problems has been, you know, focusing too much on 
making the downtown, uh, attracting suburbanites to the downtown, attracting people from outside the downtown to it, uh, and that this has resulted in various uh, uh, maladies uh, and various projects like uh, Portage Place, the urban mall that ended up not working, uh, as well as people would have thought uh, that we've sort of prioritized easy car access to it. Uh, and those things I, I would largely agree with. But there's this notion that the uh, that the best way to focus on downtown is just as a complete community, sort of like in any other, uh, focus on the community needs, fo focus on maybe getting some suitable housing there, but but that we really need to stop trying to attract uh, outside uh, the downtown zone. Uh, we need to stop attracting, uh, trying to attract uh, visitors, uh, customers, shopping, and all sorts of stuff from outside the downtown area. That that uh, should uh, should not be the focus of policy, and and I'd sort of push back on that. I think that we obviously need a downtown that works well for residents. Uh, that works well for people of all income levels. Uh, but I think in some ways, downtown is not just like any other community. Uh, one of the good things about Winnipeg historically, and this is still the case, is that it has a relatively centralized workforce and population, and that makes transit servicing a bit easier in terms of where people work. I, I think that, uh, that we still need to ensure that downtown is anchored by economic activity and scale uh, that's may be disproportionate to its its size. I think that that is a crucial feature of, of downtowns and that yeah and that it would be bad if Winnipeg just continued uh, with fervor job sprawl. Uh, I don't think that some of the past things that's aimed on making downtown that that's, that are policies that are just, all about bringing in uh, suburb what what people think suburban visitors would want, uh, or making downtown uh, a through fare for uh, for vehicle traffic uh, and stuff like that is the right way to go. Uh, but I I do think that. That, that that it it's a concern if um, uh, if jobs are sprawling out of the downtown, and if downtown is starting to or is continuing to lose some of its uh, economic vitality, uh, 
but but again, I'm not exactly sure what the right ingredient is for getting uh, the downtown in Winnipeg uh, on track uh, and what sort of the future for, for it will look like in terms of still being a major economic component of the city, but in an area where people aren't doing retail shopping downtown and increasingly aren't doing are doing less retail shopping at brick and mortar stores, period. Uh, uh, but but there are a lot of uh, uh, policy concerns and things that need to be addressed that I hope are addressed. And one of these, not just for downtown, uh, but for the city at large, is uh, housing. Now... Um, I recall that uh, there was a, a Scotiabank uh, analysis uh, that showed that uh, Manitoba is in the bottom uh, uh, three provinces when it comes to homes per person, which uh, which is a a bit concerning, uh, and I know that uh, so this Scotia Bank analysis uh, was uh, done in, I believe, uh, uh, yeah. Well, it was done for the year of 2020 uh yeah and uh i think released at in january of 2022 uh, so almost a year ago uh noted that about 23,000 units uh would be required for manitoba to new units for manitoba to, to reach the per capita level of housing per person for Canada at large. Um, there was also in twenty in January 2020, a comprehensive uh, City of Winnipeg housing needs assessment uh, conducted by a research team that included, among others, Dr. Tom Carter, and it, it looked at housing needs and it noticed that there were some gaps in terms of social housing and in terms of low-income housing. It also identified that infill housing was not contributing a significant amount to the city, uh, to the city's uh, housing uh, increases and stock, and and there's. Uh, I guess many different ways of uh, defining infill, but but they but the but their definition, uh, which I suspect is a bit more limited than some of the definitions the city uses for infill with some of their planning targets. Uh, uh, but but under that uh, definition, found out that it wasn't contributing a whole heck of a lot to, uh, that. Infill tended to be a bit modest, like lot splits, 
and not a, a lot of new units were coming online that way. Uh, so, so just uh, taking these things into consideration and and thinking uh, about the city needs, you know, our aging population, we uh, we need both like a lot of more publicly subsidized at cost or below at cost uh, housing uh, provided by uh, by entities that that don't have to make a profit when they're selling things. Um, so that would largely be governments or those funded by governments. We need more of that social housing at the at uh, at the uh, uh, lower income levels, but we also need a lot uh, a lot more multifamily built by the market because of the aging population. We're going to see a shift into more people downsizing and living in in multifamily rental and that is something that 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 we need uh, that we need to continue building continue uh, this trend the private market has started shifting towards or private developers private home builders have started shifting more towards multifamily construction and we we need that to continue but we need through our policies in terms of areas that are built up in terms of areas that have a lot of services and a lot of amenities and in terms of areas that we can adequately provide transit to we need uh, we need the city's zoning regime or ease of of the process to get approval to build, uh, we need that. Uh, we need that liberalized. We need uh, we we need to be more supportive of that type of development. And because I know in like is in like areas with a lot of single family houses, you can get a lot of pushback, even to things like seniors' apartments, where people will get very angry, even when it's something that's near a transit line, that's in an amenity-rich area. People just don't want this type of development. And I mean, the reality is more and more people are going to be needing to live into the, in those types of homes as they downsize. And of course, we're getting some new households uh, I, either like uh, young young people or people moving to Winnipeg from other cities who at least for a time want uh, would be best suited uh, or would find a multifamily unit best suited to their means we need to we need we need there to be less pushback to that sort of stuff and I do a lot of advocacy around that uh, with a uh, group, yes, in my backyard, or EMB Winnipeg, 
Uh, you can read some of the stuff that we've written uh, or some of the advocacy we've done at yesinwpg.com. But I think that this is a very important issue. We need to be firing on all cylinders when it comes to constructing housing and increasingly more multifamily housing. We need the government, uh, including the federal government, which really got out of this sector and in the 90s and has only tepidly come back into it. We need them back in here pushing uh, forward with uh, deeply affordable housing. That means housing affordable to people with very low incomes. Uh, we need... Uh, we need moderate income housing. We need, and, and we need housing that's market rate. Uh, another thing, and I, and I know that Raina Bukhari brought up some of this up during her mayoral campaign, is that we need more housing that's multi generational or for multi generational households. I've noticed that's something that I think. Uh, ironically, or maybe not ironically, since uh, perhaps for newer things, you'd expect them to take this more into account. But uh, you get some of that in Waverly West, where some of the homes are very suitable to multi-generational families. We have a lot of uh, new Canadian families, as well as uh, Indigenous families, where larger families, uh, greater need for for more people for the extended family or larger families in the house uh, and i i think that's something where we through infill need to be permitting you know sort of housing types like uh detached and attached granny suites duplexes or even small townhouses uh, to replace some of our aging single family houses and bungalows from the early 20th century. We, uh, as uh, society changes, uh, people want a bit more space than they did at the start of the 20th century. Uh, we, we need to start allowing these new types of housing types that are suitable for multi-generational households. We need to be allowing more of them. Uh, and so that, I, I think, that, I think that's one thing that I hope we can see more of. And uh, I know that uh, on the housing file, uh, the recently elected mayor, uh, Scott Gillingham, has made a number of commitments regarding uh, both densification along major corridors uh, and, and, at the, uh, uh, and at the lower income uh, uh, end of the housing uh, sort of spectrum um, need uh, more support for supportive housing type uh, developments uh, from the city 
So I hope that we see more of that in 2023 and beyond. Uh, and I guess that's the end of my monologue for today. Uh, so thanks for listening. I hope this has been vaguely coherent and all the best.